3: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. So, what exactly is the show about? It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball, and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitches and catches. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio on WGR Sports Radio 550.
2: Oh, I missed my opportunity. I missed my opportunity, Josh Schmidt. I should have asked you, great producer of this program, The Extra Point Show here on WGR Sports Radio 550, I should have asked you to start the show with the song Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Spears. Why is that? I have a penchant tendency, whatever, sometimes... Without trying to, I promise you, to rile up other fan bases. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> okay, yeah, I get that. That's funny. I yeah, I, I did it again. I didn't mean to. I was defending our honor here in Buffalo, folks. I promise you, I did not mean to stir the hornet's nest of the Pittsburgh Steelers fan base. Technically, they but stirred, I have done that this
4: morning. They stirred us up. Like we got, we got to. Fight That's back. exactly
2: right. We are even now. We are even. I think. Okay, can you go find that for me and tell me when you have it? I just want you to hear that particular part. I want everybody to hear it. Oops, I did it again because here's what happened, all right? just want to just want to lay the groundwork in case you see anything floating out there what happened here to this morning. So I go on with Jeremy this morning at seven a m and we were talking, and I had seen earlier yesterday, actually that Doran Dickerson, former Buffalo Bills player, who now is a radio host in Pittsburgh that Doran Dickerson had said on his radio show that the wings, the chicken wings in Pittsburgh were no different than Buffalo. That Buffalo wings are not special at all. Okay. Not just saying Buffalo wings, like chicken wings in Buffalo, not special. There's a difference there. You know that. And then he also apparently said they're going to boycott ordering chicken wings. It like in Pittsburgh, until after the game this weekend, just order boneless wings. So I heard that. So I said to Jeremy, what would be our equivalent? I got to come back because sorry, part of the story is I was going on with Doran Dickerson later that like at seven thirty this morning, i was going on the fan in Pittsburgh with Dorn, and I saw this. So I said, Jeremy, I got to come back with a retort. We were trying to figure out something to say about fries on sandwiches. And I, <clears throat> I could have had And I should have said maybe, like, I enjoy onion rings on sandwiches over fries, right? Because they have the Panini Brothers and all that. But what I did was, I go on the fan this morning in Pittsburgh, 93.7. I'm on with Adam Crowley and Dorn Dickerson. And I say, Dorn, I can't believe you disrespected chicken wings. So you know what? I have to come up with an equivalent. Here it is. I think a towel is just a towel. Woo, baby! Did they not like that? And apparently, like, they think, they think in Pittsburgh that if you disrespect the terrible towel in any way, you are doomed, you are doomed to lose no matter what. Because they only take the instances of where it happened, where their team actually won, when actually, like, I'm sure it's happened before, and their team did lose. I mean, let's face it. Bill's players, during Renegade, remember the Renegade thing in Pittsburgh years ago, going crazy, like, you know, making it their own. So here I go on and say, look, I think a towel's just a towel. It doesn't matter what color it is. They were not happy. They've kind of put me on blast on social media. People aren't happy about it. But there was this thing of even some Bills fans telling me, No, you, you can't do that. You gotta apologize. Like, you can't put the jinx on it. Listen, it's even now. That's what it is. Just even. That's what I did. I I I, I evened the stakes and the insults and the disrespect. And I don't even think I was disrespecting the terrible towels, just you know, saying towels are towels. You can take any towel. You go to a game with a towel and wave it, it's cool. Now after that, I also saw this morning, somehow on my Twitter feed, at Sal Sports, a couple of Miami Dolphins fans complaining, basically, about the weather in Kansas City this weekend. Now, let me tell you, the weather in Kansas City this weekend will be no joke. I mean, we know cold, we know snow and wind, and it is not fun to be in. It's not fun to play in. And, you know, you have to look out for your safety. I completely respect that and agree with that. But there were actually Dolphins fans suggesting they should move the game from Kansas City, where it's going to be like zero degrees and windy and snowy. And I tweeted out how quite ironic that is. After last year, Dolphins fans and media made fun of Bills fans. For talking about how hot it was down in Miami during the game. Well, one of the Dolphins media members, Adam Beasley, maybe some others, got a hold of my tweet on that and now have made it a thing. They're just, ah, they're just joking. There's no, there's a big difference between coldest game in history and Chiefs history and a normal Sunday afternoon in Miami, whatever, dude, it it's 440 on the field. So, Josh Schmidt, what did I do? Go ahead. That's it. I did it again. I stirred up the fan bases. Isn't this what playoff football is all about? Absolutely it is. I got Pittsburgh mad at me. I got Miami mad at me. But I'm here to take it all for you on the Extra Point Show on WGR. Good to be with you on a Wednesday. Sal Capaccio here. Joe DiBiase not able to join us today. But I have a full schedule for you throughout the next two hours. Coming up at 1030, my buddy Tim Benz. Tim and I know each other from Syracuse. He's been on this program many times. In fact, Tim Benz is the first guest we ever had on the Extra Point Show when Joe and I started the Extra Point Show in this time slot. That was September of, what, 22. And Tim was the first guest we had. But anyway, Tim's going to join me. And I'll be on his show later this week that he has in Pittsburgh. We'll talk Steelers. We'll talk Bills. At 11.05, my sideline brother, John Harris, over in Houston for the Texans is going to join me. So we'll talk Texans-Browns. Now, one of the topics I want to get to you today is, who do you really want to win that Dolphins-Chiefs game? Because there's a a couple different scenarios that could play out that I think you could make an argument for either team. And that's why it's important also to talk about Texans-Browns because the Bills could wind up playing the winner of that game. So we'll talk about that as well. Uh, That comes your way at 11.05, John Harris, sideline reporter for the Houston Texans here on the Extra Point Show. At 11.30, we will go down to One Bills Drive where Sean McDermott will have his weekly Wednesday press conference. We'll get an update on injuries, several of them to monitor this week, obviously. Gabe Davis, Rasul Douglas, Ty Johnson, Tyrell Dodson, and Taylor Rapp. So we will ask about all of that and find out about all of that. And see where they stand as far as practice today, and looking ahead to the Steelers on Sunday, here in Buffalo Orchard Park, 1 p.m. Highmark Stadium, WGR Sports Radio 550, and the Bills Radio Network. So we'll do that today. Now, obviously, you know Sean sometimes is a little bit later, so we'll 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 do our best to bring you that today at 11:30. That is the plan right now here on the Extra Point Show. In the meantime, we're going to open up our. Phone lines. 803 0550 is the number to call here to join me on the extra point show. Something else I'm going to do today. Something cool, I think. I'm going to steal. Joe, Joe, I'm going to kind of steal a little bit from you. I'm not going to do tears. All right. Actually do ranking. So it's not as much like Joe does Tuesday tiers. And I trust he did it yesterday. I didn't get a chance to listen. He does Tuesday tiers. Today, what I'm going to do, I am going to rank. The best to worst or worst to best head coach opening, head coach jobs that are available in the NFL as far as franchises and teams and situations. Now, I have, there are six right now in no particular order. They are the Commanders, the Falcons, the Chargers, the Panthers, the Raiders, the Titans. There are six job openings right now. I anticipate the Patriots to be open, but we don't know that. I have some thoughts on Belichick and New England and what's going on over there, as well as with uh, Jim Harbaugh that I'll get to a little bit later. But I will rank the job openings and where I think the best job would be to the worst job. Or maybe we'll go worst to best. Whatever. We'll do that today on the Extra Point Show. Bills, Steelers. One o'clock on Sunday. I want to get your thoughts on that. The weather here in Buffalo will not be good but we don't know exactly how bad Patrick hammer will join me on Friday to talk about that a little bit more, but we know it's going to be a weather, a weather game in some instance. And that scares me to be quite honest, because I've always said, I think you probably know this, believe this on some level, weather is the ultimate equalizer, isn't it? (coughs) Weather can change a really prolific passing attack to really minimize it. Weather can force one just random regular handoff to go awry. One punt return to be muffed. It could just be the ultimate equalizer. And that's why it scares me. That's why it bothers me. The Steelers themselves, the Bills are better. Like The Bills should win this game. They're the better team. They are ten, nine and a half, ten 10-point favorites. Probably will go down because of the weather by the time we get there. But I think it's 9.5 to 10 right now in most places. And there's a reason for that. The Bills have Josh Allen. The Steelers have Mason Rudolph. The Bills have a one of the top defenses in the league. The Steelers, by points, they do. But there are some, you know, they, they, they're, they, they buckle up in the red zone. They kind of force you to do some things. And they're without T.J. Watt. With all the injuries the Bills have that we're wondering if guys are going to play, we know T.J. Watt's not going to play. And that dude is a problem when he plays for any team. He is going to be maybe, maybe the defensive player of the year in the NFL. Other guys have a claim to that or, you know, a, Good debate on it, but he could be. He's one of the best for sure. The Bills are the better team. They should win the game. But weather scares me here. And it's it's one and done, baby. I mean, you do something wrong, you make a couple critical mistakes, that's it. And you know Mike Tomlin's going to try and d- grind this game out. So you don't have a lot of window for error, margin for error in this game. If you make, if the Bills play in the first half the way they did against Miami, I should say if they make the mistakes they made, It could be a much different story. Now, they got the punt return last week. Kind of bailed out the offense, put them in a better spot. I think the Steelers will have something planned as far as special teams this week as well. Danny Smith, excellent special teams coach, used to be here in Buffalo. Man, that guy is, he might be the ultimate gum chewer. You ever watched him on the sidelines? He has, like, it looks like a baseball player. With dip in his mouth. It's gum, though. I'm pretty sure it's gum. But you ever see, like, when... I don't know, when Lenny Dykstra... They can't do this anymore. You ever watching the dugout, like, when Lenny Dykstra had that big wad of dip in his mouth? Like, that's what Danny Smith kind of looks like with gum, but he just chews and chews and chews. It's kind of cool. This guy is into it. He's energetic. He is a... Like, he's a special teams coach, special teams coach. Like, that kind of guy. And I'm telling you, he's going to try and have something dialed up for the Bills on Sunday. Because that's what he does. They blocked a punt against the Bills in the opener in 21 and 1 really because of that large part because of that play and the bills have given up some returns this year whatever it is i think that's going to be a part of it my whole point here is the steelers will throw everything at the bills they can they'll try to make them make a few mistakes and if they can they'll grind out the game that's what scares me about it but other than that the bills are the better team and should win the game 8030550 is the number to call the other question i have for you today and feel free to chime in when you do call here who do you want to win Dolphins or Chiefs. And I'll give you the reasons why you should want either the Dolphins or the Chiefs. It's a good debate. Either way, the Bills are home the following week if they win. But it does change the opponent they would play. It also changes the opponent the Baltimore Ravens would play. That's why I want to ask that. Let's uh, go to Brad. Brad, what's going on, man?
3: Hey, Sal. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'll answer your your last question real quick, and then I'll... I'll ask you a question about the MVP race. Um, I'd rather see the Dolphins beat the Chiefs just so that we um, – I'm not, I'm not uh, saying the Browns are, are a worse team, but I'd rather play the Browns or the Texans in, in the next round. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter who our opponent is in the AFC championship game. It's going to be a difficult matchup. It's not easy to get to the Super Bowl. So, I'd rather have the easiest route to the AFC Championship. I don't mm-hmm. want to see Patrick Mahomes in the second round. I just don't I don't like it even if it's in Buffalo. So, to answer yeah. your question, I'd rather see I'd rather see the Dolphins win for that reason. Um,
2: I totally get that sentiment, and I think that is the reason why you would want the Dolphins to win. The reason I would give the other argument, and I'm not saying either way. I think either way you could look at it is no, not right or wrong. It's a, it's an opinion. But the reason you look at it the other way, and you just kind of recognize this, Brad, is if the Chiefs win, um, you know, obviously they come to Buffalo, but maybe you give a better chance to Cleveland or Houston beating Baltimore than you do Miami after what we just saw. If the Dolphins win, that's great. You get rid of the Chiefs, but I don't think the Dolphins have a, a chance to beat Baltimore in Baltimore after what we just saw. You know what I mean? That would be the reason going the other way, I guess.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. And, I mean, once you're into the second round, you you kind of pick your poison and hope for the best. Yep. Um, But to uh, get to my question for you, so uh, not not that this game weekend's um, not as important, but the MVP race, where do you uh, think it stands with who's going to end up being the MVP? Because you can make a case for any of the top four or five guys, and I would say if, if Lamar or McCaffrey win the MVP, I wouldn't bet an eye, and I wouldn't be upset about it, but you can make a really strong case for Josh Allen. And I know Vegas odds have, I think Lamar is the number one choice, but is, is Vegas always right when it comes to MVP? Do you think Josh still has a chance?
2: I don't know if they're always right. I do think Lamar will win it though, Brad. I do. I think I think there's an enough that I've seen out there in sentiment from people and voters that, that, that Lamar will win it. And I have no problem with that. As you just said, you don't either. I don't think I'd have a problem with McCaffrey. Joe is like, he says no. No running back at all. You can't have a running back winning MVP. I, I don't subscribe to that. If you have a running back that has had the kind of year that McCaffrey's having, more importantly... Maybe the quarterbacks who haven't had the, like, Patrick Mahomes type of year from a couple years ago. And you have Josh, you know, the turnovers ding him. But, man, we talk so much about that. It should be the more about the touchdowns. I would take, I might vote for Lamar. It'd be a good debate. I'd have to really weigh it because I'm I'm real up close to it here in Buffalo and see what Josh means. You know what this comes down to for me? It's really how you define the MVP award. Now, there is a definition of it, but I don't think it has to be most valuable to his team in the strictest sense. We all know Josh Allen is truly the most valuable player to his team in all of this. And that's why you could make the argument for him. And I have no problem with that. Like, I think the MVP is more like an MOP, a most outstanding player, but he's got to be super valuable to to his team and what they've accomplished anyway. I have no problem with Lamar. I think Lamar is going to win it. That's where I would stand on it. But I do think, I do think that, you know, Josh will get to me. Probably a couple first place votes. And even if not, I'm going to predict right now, Josh Allen finishes second. And one of the reasons would be that Purdy and McCaffrey might split votes of people who look at the 49ers guys. So that would give Josh more votes. You know, in an election like, well, oh, this candidate's taking votes away from this one. They're going to split that up. Well, I think it's the same thing here. So I think that's how it's going to play out. Uh, I I. I take this call with a little bit of trepidation, so I hope it's okay. Brian in Harrisburg, go ahead, Brian. I don't want to be ripping on anybody necessarily, but go ahead, Brian.
4: No, 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 Sal. I I want you to know that I uh, I was I was Adam Beasley's middle school gym teacher and high school cross country coach in Harrisburg. So
2: he's <laughs> not from Miami; he's from Harrisburg. And- oh, I apologize. I'm sorry, but he's a he he might must have been in Miami for long enough that he's he wears his colors. You know what I mean? Like he he's oh, he absolutely. really. Yes,
4: in middle school, he was a cowboys guy. This was in the early nineties
2: oh, okay I was,
4: I was teaching in this school in Harrisburg, and of course, a devoted uh buffalo guy, and uh you know, the kids all let me have it every year when the bills would lose a Super Bowl, and he was front and center on that. But the reason I called you is that uh, you know it just it, it breaks my heart to see him adopt this troll persona because Adam Beasley was a a, a great little runner for me. He was one of my team captains when he was a senior. He was wow. a man of integrity. He was a team guy, super hard <laughs> worker, part of a line, the whole thing. And I, I lost connection with him when he, you know, went to college and he went one way and I went the other. And all of a sudden, I stumbled onto him on uh, on Twitter when there was that bullying scandal with the one tackle and Richie Incognito. And all of a sudden, he's on my television. I'm like, holy cow, wow. that's the bees. And uh, and yeah. I, got, I got caught up with him that way. But now he's he's like this troll and it's breaking my heart, Sal. I, I you know, he's he's he's
2: on Twitter, he's badmouthing oh, no. buffalo people. Let me I know, you. all the time. I, he's, it's kind of a it's it it is kind of a shtick, but it's really not right. I've had him. We had him on here. We actually had him on here on the extra point show. I think it was um, maybe last year. We had some fun with it, but at the end, he gave Buffalo a couple shots. Like he couldn't resist, right? I By heard, the way, he's on Twitter oh, the, at Adam H Beasley. It. Adam H Beasley is on his uh, his Twitter feed. But I I love I love hearing this. I'm glad I did take the call, Brian, because I will not impugn the man's integrity. He went to Syracuse. I've met him. He seems like a stand up guy, but I do think it's a bit of a shtick and a trolling job.
4: Oh, he's a great dude, but, man, he's just killing me. <laughs> and I,
2: you know, and he's, he's, he's posting Miami
4: Dolphins AFC East champs in week one. Yes, I love that. With that, tweet that after coming back
2: at you. Coming you back at you. Back on
4: the air. we, we got to do an intervention. we got to bring him back from the dark side.
2: All right, well, you know what? Maybe we'll do that if Syracuse has, you know, with this, with this new coach, Fran Brown, and what he's doing, maybe we'll find some common ground with Syracuse football and bring him on next football season and talk Dolphins and Syracuse and Bills. All right, thanks, brother. You got it, Brian. Thank you for the call. That's really nice. <laughs> Adam I, I don't want to make the show about another like, media personality in another market, but yeah, we've had our battles here. Guy brought me on to his radio show like four years ago, Josh's first offseason going into his second season, and he's like, first thing he says is, can you teach accuracy? Because this guy's not accurate. I'm like, whoa, dude. And they just started hammering Josh Allen, like Allen after his rookie year. And I'm like, dude, I said on the air, I go, if you guys want to just... Bring me on to hammer the quarterback of the Bills. I'll just hang up now. This is ridiculous. And it kind of went from there. And then, like, no, oh, no, no, no. And now we go back and forth here. And he claimed that there were 17, 17, Bills fans that showed up at a golf course that didn't want to pay for the round of how expensive it was. And what did I don't know? There was, they showed up late for their tea time. And then, He's claiming that nobody in Miami media is actually like, or fans are about this whole game being moved when I actually is. So anyway, there you go. But I know what, he's a Syracuse guy, so I like him. Let's go to Clover in Texas. What's up, Clover?
0: Hey, Sal. Thanks for taking my call. How are you?
2: I'm good. Having a fun time today, I guess.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, it sounds like it. Good. I'm glad. Thanks for all you do. Yeah. And that yeah. Adam Beasley. Yeah, he was getting me riled up
2: last week. <laughs>
0: I mean, kinda, love it. That's kind of good to hear that, you you know, it's it did seem like it was kind of just joking around, get, trying to get people. I don't know if it
2: joking around, but we can have some fun. It's just like the Pittsburgh thing this morning with me, right? Like, I mean, it's kind of joking around, but we're going serious, man. It's playoffs. Let's go.
0: Yes, yes. So, yeah, on the sideline interview with McDermott, I absolutely love that um, and the motion. And so he mentioned, and I love how you always mention the coaches. Um, he, so he mentioned the special teams coach working on, you know, getting a play like that from Hardy. And um, I just thought that was that was a great job. Came at the just the right time. And then with Joe Brady, I know people kind of, you know, wonder about the offense. But, I mean, he, the guy, he can only do so much, right? He can't, like, revamp the entire offense mid-season. And, I mean, his right. record's what, like 7-1 since he took over? Is that right? Yeah, he, right. Like, I mean, and, and you know, I think
2: I, 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 that's a good point you make. You know, when, when you change coordinators, and by the way, both the teams playing this weekend, the Bills and the Steelers, changed coordinators. The Bills mm-hmm. had theirs, and then the Steelers changed theirs after. Um, but you can't really change everything about the offense because the system's in. You're not going to go with a new system. you got to keep the system in and generally all the same terminology. What you can do is tweak your philosophy or your tendencies. I think that's what Joe Brady did. But now, you know, the offense has struggled a bit at times the last few weeks, making critical mistakes mostly last week. But I think now is the challenge for Joe Brady to understand that he has tendencies on film and he has to break those tendencies because now there's enough of a book on him that he has to kind of go away from some of the things he's put out there to make sure that teams don't get so much of a read.
0: Right, right. But I just think it's just such a testament to the coaching, just the special teams, Joe Brady, McDermott, especially you mentioned all those Guys that came in and stepped up for injured guys like Ryan Vandermark and and Sherfield and Hardy. They both made big catches, and yeah. uh Valen Spector with all the plays That's he right. made. I just think you know it's, everything is coming together at the right time. You got the depth and the coaching, and those those depth guys are stepping up to the challenge. And it's just really great. I think we can really feel good going into the playoffs. I'm really excited. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate taking the call, Sal, and appreciate all your hard work. Go, Bill. Yeah, you got it,
2: Clover. Always appreciate you calling as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Clover right there is getting connected with our fans. We like to do that here on WGR, and especially here on the Extra Point Show and all of our shows. Getting connected with our fans is brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at northtownkia.com. Let's uh, squeeze in Caleb in Akron before we get to Tim Benz, our guest at 1030. Go ahead, Caleb. Hey, Phil. Thanks for taking my call. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to touch on something. I really noticed that the
3: the last game we played, I noticed that Josh, love him to death, and gets in the red zone, and before he threw that one pick in the end zone, like, I know why he did it. He was better than taking a punt, but he gets this look about him, like he's just deer in the headlights, and it's got, like, this... He's almost got, like, a rookie... Quarterback look to him like an eastern stick almost, and he gets a little flustered. I feel like I just want to know what your thoughts were about that because I mean,
2: he's a top. Yeah, team. I don't agree at all. I my thought is I don't agree. They it was the first red zone in turnover they've had all year. Um, right. Josh Allen went. Hold on, Josh Allen had in his career basically went a long, long time without a Renzo pick before he did. Um, and it was a bad decision. The first one was definitely a bad decision. The second one was not. Second one was fourth down. He's throwing it. If whatever happens, happens, maybe you get a PI. It winds up an in interception. I mean, I don't, I, I don't fault him for that. Maybe you should have seen, I think it was Dawson Knox, maybe a little bit earlier on the under route. I think it was, could have got that. But as far as how he looks, a deer in his head, in headlights, the Bills had going into the last two weeks, the number one red zone offense in the league. So I don't think you can compare their, their quarterback to a rookie like an Easton stick and how you're doing it. So no, I don't agree at all.
3: Yeah. Maybe I put the little too harshly, but um, I feel like he gets a, sometimes you can feel flustered and, but maybe I didn't. Well, I think
2: Josh is just, Josh is just very, you know, I I don't know if flustered is a word I'd call it. He wants to make something happen. And we say this all the time, Caleb, you know, people point out the interceptions. Yes, that's going to happen, and they're always going to happen because he's always going to look for the big play. He's always going to – and I, you have to accept that with him. I don't think it's flustered. I think he's trying to make a play. And no, I, I don't agree whatsoever that he looks like any sort of deer in headlights, flustered, whatever. He's trying to make a play, and he does make bad decisions sometimes, no doubt about it. I didn't, I didn't mind the decision to throw it deep on that, that second pick because honestly, the Dolphins guy messed up. He should just knocked it down. That's what he should have done. What Deshaun Elliott? He should should have just knocked it down. The first interception, bad decision by Josh. He was under duress. Gabe Davis went one way. Josh went the, went the other. And maybe that's more on Gabe. I don't know. But they they he should have maybe ate it or he should probably thrown it away. Either way, because that's three points right there. So anyway, going into the last two weeks, the Bills had the number one red zone in the league. Had no turnovers in the red zone all year. Last two weeks though, forty percent, forty percent, two for five, two for five. So, four for 10 the last two weeks. That's got to clean up. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Tim Benz is going to join me to talk Steelers next on the Extra Point Show on WGR.
1: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.
3: I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on. We talk about basketball now, golf and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happens. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to throw, pocket collapsing, fires a deep one downfield looking for Gabe Davis, makes the catch at midfield, he's going to sail into the end zone, Gabe Davis at the 20, at the 10, touchdown, holy mackerel, 98 yards, touchdown, Gabe Davis on third and 10 at their own two, that's a way to start, holy mackerel.
2: What a time and moment that was for the Bills last year against the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. Gabe Davis ninety-eight yards. John Murphy on the call there on the Buffalo Bills Radio Network, of course. The Bills in that game, uh, what was the final thirty-one, thirty-seven to three? I gotta look at this year. Maybe you have it. Thirty-eight to three, 38 to three. The Bills won last year. Uh the Steelers won the year before that here in Buffalo. Remember I, I brought it up earlier, that that punt, that blocked punt in the twenty twenty one opener was a big change of events in that game 23 16 Steelers won that game. Now they get after it in Orchard Park 1 p.m. Sunday at Highmark Stadium in the super wild card weekend. Joining me now my good buddy on the Wester Hotline Tim Benz out in Pittsburgh. Uh Tim Benz trip live of course Steelers pregame. He just talks about everything out there in Pittsburgh. What's going on buddy? Always good to have you. We were saying earlier I was you were the first guest ever on this extra point show. So we appreciate that and remember that and now uh how about these two teams getting together for the first time in quite a while to play in the playoffs.
1: Was that game really just 38-3? It somehow felt
2: <laughs> worse than that. Yeah, it was 38-3, to was it? And Gabe Davis, those two monster yeah. plays, he might not play. He might not play this weekend. We'll get an update from Sean McDermott in about an hour um, on injuries. I don't know how much it necessarily matters in this game, though, Tim, because the way I look at it is, you know, it's not like the Bills are going to just be trying to throw the ball over the yard in this weather. And this might be a more of a kind of conservative approach and you don't want to make too many mistakes against a Pittsburgh team that might want to grind it out. you think that's what Pittsburgh game plan is going to be is to just, Hey, let's stay conservative, grind it out and not give the bills any opportunities either.
1: Largely. Yes. I think that they are most comfortable playing in games like that. I, even that Seattle game that they played, um, I felt like for them, that probably created some anxious anxious moments on the sidelines because it was back and forth quite a bit uh, in that first half, especially even though the the Steelers were doing it largely with the run game and the occasional big pop play from Mason Rudolph. um, They would prefer to have every game be like a Steelers-Ravens game, like a Steelers-Browns game, where it's you run the ball, we run the ball, we run the ball, you run the ball. Like That's where Mike Tomlin wants to live, and they got really used to that when they started to play better in the second half of last season with Kenny Pickett, even at times, Mitch Trubisky, winning incredibly close, low-scoring games over and over again uh, that carried into the first half of this year. But then you know what? Like they, They just had to open it up a little bit once Mason Rudolph got in there. It's more of His style and um, whether or not uh, they're going to have to probably play catch up at some point or another in this game, I would think, and hit a big player to stay with the Bills because the Bills will be able to do that on occasion against the Steelers, even if the weather is bad.
2: Alright, let's talk about Mason Rudolph then, because obviously since he's come in, it's been a big change. I mean, they go and score 34, then 30, 17 last week in the rain, the big play obviously to Deontay Johnson for the touchdown. Well, what does he bring and what are the truths and what are the fictions about Mason Rudolph and some of these eye-popping stats we've seen through three games? But really, where does this all land for you? Well, the
1: truths and fiction element, um, I think some of the fiction is you know, you can't expect everything you've gotten from Rudolph over a 16-game season or even moving into this game against Buffalo, because I think some of his numbers have been augmented by the fact that they played against Cincy's defense and Seattle's defense, which aren't very good, and Mm -hmm. then they played against Baltimore's backups. And even against Baltimore's backups, granted, that was in bad weather, too. Like, he was accurate, and he stayed out of – interception um, likely throws, and he did have some troubles. Everybody on both sides seemed to have holding onto the ball and some snaps here and there because of the weather. So, like, the fiction element of it is he's probably going to have a tougher time against better defenses if he were to be the starter next year or if the Bills play well defensively this weekend. The truth element of it is he's been very accurate getting the ball into catchable positions for the wide receivers to make big plays. His ball placement has been very good, particularly on Mm -hmm. deeper shots. He's given run after the catch opportunities to the Steelers receivers, which they did not have with Pickett and Trubisky. So that's been the truth element of where the numbers are. Uh, I don't know what this all portends for when it comes to next season. I mean, my, my hunch still is that they are pot committed on Kenny Pickett they will get an offensive coordinator in the offseason that speaks to his skill sets. Um, they will say it's an open competition, but they will still be leaning towards Pickett as the starter because they got to see by the end of next year if he's getting his fifth-year option as a first-round draft choice or
2: not. We're going to touch, and I'd like to touch on uh, Tomlin's future before we end this call, too, uh, next year. But what about on the other side? In fact, let's just stay on the offense. Running the ball, I mean, obviously you said that's where they want to live. Seems like they've done a nice job at times. There's been some nice games. They have some big numbers. Also, some games where they've been pretty pedestrian running the ball. Um, What what do you see from the running game at this point and what they bring?
1: It's the barometer by which you're likely to measure their success or failure, um, in part because of what we talked about in the regular season. They were getting poor quarterback play. I think that the run game... At times this season when it's been good, made up for that and got them in a position where they could qualify for the playoffs or at least still be 500 late in the season. I think with Rudolph, the run game and the pass game have been complementary to each other, and they haven't had to rely solely on it. But if the run game is shut down, they're probably not going to win. That just has been a a through line throughout. Um, I think Najee Harris has come on late. I think actually Jalen Warren was the more important component to the run game in the middle part of the season where they came out of the bye and played really decent football against some okay but not great competition. Uh, The run game, I think, at a stretch where they had four straight games where they were over 150 yards, and they were one away from tying a franchise record that goes back to when Franco and Rocky were here (laughs) in Mm, Pittsburgh. So, you know, like, If they had had gotten that fifth straight game against the Cardinals, um, that would have set that record, but they didn't, and that was part of the downslide in December, where they lost those three straight games to what ended up being non-playoff competition, again, in part because the run games just, they had to play catch-up, they were behind, they couldn't lean into it, they couldn't build off of it, they couldn't do play action off of it, so yeah, well, um, when Harris and Warren are going, that sets the tempo, and, and you know, as an opponent, you're probably going to be in a four quarter game with these guys.
2: Tim Benz on the Wester Hotline out in Pittsburgh, Steelers Bills Sunday one o'clock p.m. here WGR and the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. All right, the other side of the ball, we know T.J. Watt is out. No one's going to, you know, doubt and understand how big of a loss that is for Pittsburgh, right? You can't hide from that. But what do they have in his absence, in his place, that Bills fans should still kind of think about or wonder about that maybe they can still do some things to get after Josh Allen?
1: What they have is better depth at that position than they've had in recent seasons. Like last year when he got hurt with the peck, it was Malik Reed. Um, You know, if you've lost track of Malik Reed, he's bounced around between the dolphins uh, having no job, the Raiders, and now just back to the dolphins again on their practice squad. Uh, That was their best answer there without, Watt last season Uh, you know they've got now Marcus Golden who's been good when called upon Uh, Nick Herbig another Wisconsin guy sort of a protege of Watts has flashed at times had what might go down as the biggest play of the season when he strip sacked Geno Smith on a day where it was the only time the pass rush got to Smith and that turned the game in their favor against Seattle in week 17. Uh, So those guys are okay. It's not Watt. The bigger, more helpful thing would be if Alex Highsmith lived up to his contract. He has flashed at times himself. It's just one sack in the last four games and and, and two and a half in the last seven or eight. So it has not been a banner year for Highsmith. And it would be nice to see him have a Watt-like game for one week and then just let the other guys kind of handle their own business and rotate. But the mystery element or the wonderment element that you brought up before, that might be derived from getting Devontae Casey back from suspension and likely Minka Fitzpatrick back from injury. If they are more trustworthy of their own back end, maybe they blitz a bit more. Uh, Maybe they try to force some mistakes from Josh Allen that way. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a little bit more confidence sending an extra rusher or two now that they can move Pat Pete back to corner and they've got some more guys they can play with in the secondary that are experienced and good players. And they've had to be very cautious of that these last couple of weeks because of the thin ranks at safety and at inside linebacker too.
2: What, what, what is the situation with Minka?
1: Knee, he got rolled over by, I think it was Peterson. Um, diving, trying to make a play in the Colts game. He hasn't played since the Colts game. I'm a little less convinced that he's all that close to 100%. I mean, like, if he was close, they would have put him out there against Baltimore. That game meant everything to them, and they couldn't even get him on the field for the game. So Mm -hmm. this strikes me as, yeah, they've decided in advance he's likely to play unless there's a setback, but I'm not overwhelmingly convinced that you're going to still see the real Minka Fitzpatrick out there against Buffalo.
2: And I know that Joey Porter Jr. has kind of stepped up here since they've inserted him over Levi Wallace. You know, How about his game and where he stands? And would you expect him or anyone else to move around with Stephon Diggs?
1: Yes, they've done that with him. They haven't been a team that does that. And frankly, they haven't had a lot of corners that have been worthy of doing that. Uh In in recent years, like when Joe Hayden was here and still good after they got him from the Browns, they could do that, but they often didn't. Uh, They just kind of did right side, left side with him. Uh, Porter, though, it's, it's rare to see a Steeler team draft a rookie corner and then say, go follow this guy. But he's done that and has done that to pretty good effect. I mean, he's seen T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Amari Cooper and, Some other really good wide receivers, Uh, wide receivers really in the season were roasting the Steelers. The number one pass catcher from teams was kind of lighting them up. But then Mm -hmm. when they started to put Porter in the lineup and they started trusting, I think the first game they did that was against Tennessee in week nine against DeAndre Hopkins and Porter did a good job with it. And they just kept doing it. And for the most part, he's been good. I think DK Metcalf, had the best game against him for something like eighty six yards on three of six targets in one on one coverage and if you want to use that as the high water mark, a lot of those other good wide receiving names that I referenced did less against him than that, so like significantly less like T. Higgins had a huge game, but it came on a seventy five yard catch and run against his zone so You know, like a lot of the numbers that these receivers put up when they did put up numbers were rare times when Porter wasn't on him. And he's managed to cut down on the penalties a little bit too the last couple weeks. That had been an issue for him. He's grabby. Um, You know, you'll see him reach. You'll see him get defensive holds from time to time. Uh, That was the book on him coming out of Penn State. It's proven to be true. But he has scaled that back a bit the last couple weeks.
2: Without Watt, you know, maybe you can slide protection a little bit to Cam Hayward. But, you know, I'm looking at his numbers I know he's missed a lot of time this year. He's only played 11 games, but also only a couple sacks since he's returned. Where is his game right now at age 34?
1: Yeah, he's had a rough season. He had a really bad groin injury. I think they required early, early season surgery. Um, he's come back, and you have not seen the pass rush explosion from him that you have in years past. Like What really finally got people to recognize Hayward as the pro bowl, all pro level defensive lineman that he should have been recognized for years before was he was starting to put up sack numbers. And, you know, once the Steelers advanced what their notion was of what three, four defensive lineman needed to be in the modern day NFL, they let him push up field more often. And he rewarded them with a lot of pass pressures and a lot of sacks. And that hasn't come to fruition this year because of the injury Um, you know, what they have been able to do against the run uh, at times. He's been good still in that department, but yeah, I think it's just two, two and a half sacks this year. Larry Joby only has three. Uh, I think across the board, the defensive linemen only have seven sacks Mm -hmm. and they need more there. And I think it's also part of the reason why Highsmith hasn't been as good this year as people hoped is that, you know, he rushes from Hayward's side. Um, So that's, that's, I think in part correlated to why high Smith hasn't quite lived up to the expectation after the contract he signed.
2: All right, buddy, what's uh, what's happens with Mike Tomlin here, depending on how this season ends, right? I mean, obviously if you have a few upsets and play great and have a run here, it's one thing, but if this team exits, there's been a lot of talk about what trading him, him moving on, stepping away. I saw the other day, what do you think the future future holds?
1: Even at the nadir of this season, after they dropped to seven and seven, a lot of that stuff began to swirl around. I never thought that they'd trade him. I, I knew they wouldn't fire him and they won't unless there's something off the field that comes up mm-hmm. or something that, you know, that we're not aware of with Art Rooney um, that's been tamped down. I, just, I, I can't imagine what that would be. I, I was always under the impression that they would still give him a contract extension this year. Not only keep him, but give him an extension because they don't want him to be a lame duck if he ever does get to that point. You know, I heard the reports this weekend from Schefter and Glazer. The Glazer one always matters. When Glazer talks, it's because largely he's talked directly to Tomlin. They're tight. They're buddies. He comes to camp and hangs out with Tomlin at least once a year in August. So um, when you hear something from Glazer about Tomlin, your radar goes up because there's probably something to it. And the inference that he might walk away for a year, and this is his last year of his contract, and then if he wanted to come back after a year, he could go do whatever he wanted and sign wherever he wanted. Um, yeah, I mean, I pay attention to that. But my hunch is, especially if they at least perform well against Buffalo, if not pull off the upset, I can't see Tomlin walking away from football. He still feels way too young and way too in- into it and way too energetic about it. I haven't seen... Him wane at all in terms of his enthusiasm. The losing definitely got to him earlier this year because I think he was disappointed. I think he was proud of how they managed to get through the season at six and three at one point, despite the offensive ineptitude. But this has been a taxing year because of the quarterback situation. This has been a taxing year because he had to fire a coordinator in midstream, something he's never done before. Um, I think there was pressure from above to do that, and he's not used to that sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. um, If he leaves, I think he leaves because he wants to leave. I don't think that he's fired, and there would be no reason to trade him because if you're going to trade him, um, he's got to pick where he's going anyway to sign a contract extension. You're not going to get much return for him. So um, why would he do that? Why not just take the year off then and come back and have your pick of where you want to go and not be worried about what the team says is okay to trade you to?
2: How do you handicap the other games in the AFC this weekend? we got Browns at Texans. You have Dolphins at Chiefs and what's going to be probably zero degree temperatures and uh, some snow.
1: Yeah, I think the bad weather um, probably mitigates any offensive explosion advantage that the Dolphins would have had against the Chiefs. I'm not wild about either team coming mm-hmm. into the playoffs. In fact, that's why I was <laughs> I was hoping that the Steelers would go to Kansas City, not Buffalo. I was hoping that, the that there would be a tie in the Colts game, uh, the Colts-Texans game, so they could go – uh, play against the uh, the Dolphins. I think that's how that would have come down. You know, I, I was hoping that they'd get any other scenario besides going to Buffalo. That's the toughest one, I think, for the Steelers, and part of the reason why I think the Bills are going to win. But, um, yeah, I, I guess I'll go with Kansas City in, in that game. And then in the other one, man, that is a tough one to handicap. I'm not wild yeah. about any of the teams in the South, but I do love Stroud. Um, the, the, the Browns defense is so different home and road. I, I guess I'll go with the Browns because I think Houston's going through it for the first time. Flacco isn't the Browns. Some players are still there from the win in 2020 against the Steelers here at Acrisure yeah. Stadium. I, I guess I'll go with the Browns, but that one's going to be close too.
2: Yeah, I like the Browns too for a lot of the same reasons. You know, the the Texans remind me Tim of the Bills team that went to Houston in 19 that wasn't ready for it yet. You know what I mean? They're just getting there. It was Josh's second year. And I love C.J. Stroud, what he's doing. I just don't know if this is a a spot for them compared to D- Jim Schwartz on the defensive side, and he'll scheme something up. So I'm going to take Cleveland. I would not be shocked if Houston won that game, though, at all.
1: I wouldn't be either. Um, you know, I can still see that, you know, Nico Collins and some of their passing game elements with Stroud yeah. it reminds me. Sometimes Stroud has these big bend-like throws that remind me of Roethlisberger early in his career. Um, I love watching him, too. Uh, I think both games are going to be close. I think that one has the potential to be the most exciting. Um, but I think all these games are going to be within a touchdown in the AFC. All
2: right, we uh, we always get a quick Penguins check-in with you when we talk with you. Uh, Sabres had a big win there, but two goals disallowed, obviously, by Crosby. But we have our own issues here in Buffalo. Pittsburgh making the playoffs this year. Are they um, they're going to be able to get this thing over the finish line again? Like uh, they, uh, I know they didn't last year, but you know with their aging roster.
1: I said they'd be the last team in this year. And I've seen nothing to dissuade me in one direction or the other. I guess looking at how they played so far, I am disappointed big picture. I thought they'd be a little bit better than what they've been, particularly the power play. The power play is hideous. And it was supposed Hmm. to be a lot better this year, especially with getting Carlson. But no one in the Eastern Conference, particularly the Metro, is separated from the Penguins so much that I can't see them squeaking in. I think they're a little bit better than last year. Being a little bit better than last year would have gotten them in as the eight-seed second wild card, and I I still think that's where they will be. I still don't think they want a playoff series, but um, my hope is that they at least get back into the playoffs and uh, give it a go in the first round against somebody.
2: Hey, buddy, always good to uh, catch up with you, and uh, I'll be joining you tomorrow. Right, We'll talk uh, from the other angle and give your listeners a little bit of insight, I guess.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you feel like, you know, painting a prettier picture for Steeler hopes than I did for Steeler hopes (laughs) in Buffalo, you're more than welcome to do that. But I
2: I just... I might do that. I just, I think weather's the ultimate equalizer in any of these games, right? And I I, I think all it takes is for one bad bounce, one fumble, one critical mistake. And I just, you know, I have a very healthy respect for Mike Tomlin. I'm not one of these people that, you know, I know you in, in Pittsburgh, it's like you're so close to it. I just think he's an excellent coach, but I get a lot of the things that are said. But I will tell you... If he has a chance just to grind it out after a couple mistakes and get a lead, it might be a little more difficult here with this weather. Yeah,
1: I do think the weather will equalize it, but um, not having Watts and not having the pass rush being at peak performance to force Allen into the mistakes that he is sometimes prone to make, I think that balances back out towards the Bills.
2: All right, buddy. Good to talk with you. Thanks always for doing this. All right, man. Great to be on with you again. Always enjoy it. All right. Thanks a lot. That's Tim Benz out there in Pittsburgh. And we're going to, I'm going to be on his show tomorrow. He does a really great podcast um, for Steelers fans and Steelers listeners. And real quick, I'm going to tell you where you can find Ben online because he is actually, There he is. Tim Benz, B-E-N-Z-P-G-H, Tim Benz, P-G-H. Real good stuff uh, from Tim. Trib Live Sports, uh, DVE Radio as well. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, wrap up the hour, and then get ahead and hear from John Harris, sideline reporter for the Texans uh, on the other side of 11 o'clock. Okay, I went long with Tim Benz. My apologies, but that means i got to get out right away. But coming up, we're going to have John Harris, sideline reporter for the Texans. Browns-Texans Saturday night. That could be, the winner of that game, could be the Bills' next opponent at the Bills advance. If the Chiefs win, it'll be the Chiefs. If the Dolphins beat the Chiefs, the Bills are playing the winner of that 4-5 matchup in the AFC. But also when we come up, I think I'm going to have John help me with this. He has no idea, but I'm going to hit him with it. Going to rank the available job openings by head coach in the NFL plus one that isn't quite available yet, but might be. We'll do that when we come back here on WGR.
1: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's internet built for tomorrow, today.
5: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L King,